Hi everyone, Terry Walbrock here with a quick update on the upcoming courses that I'm releasing. A one-day trauma warrior, a 10-day be your own hero, and a 30-day surviving to thriving. Um, and I sent they, them out to beta testers and the response has been absolutely incredible. I'm so excited. I'm just doing a happy dance in my chair. <laughs> so I need to add a few little adjustment changes and it was more just adding some, some paragraphs for further clarification on trauma. Uh, but the overall response was incredibly positive. So really, really, really excited to get it out there into the universe and into your hands. So, all right, now for the show. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Welbrock, and so very excited to have with me today, John Davis. And I'm going to read this bio because it's just amazing and awesome. John Davis is an internationally known keynote speaker, comedian, fight director, stuntman, college professor, artistic director, and action hero. He has traveled extensively throughout the world, speaking to audiences of all ages and backgrounds in 28 countries and over 4,000 live performances. John inspires you to set and reach your maximum potential and awaken your inner action hero. Yay! <laughs> I love it. So welcome, John. Well, thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm really excited to talk uh, to your audience because they are an audience that, that fits right with what I like to do. Oh, wonderful. Well, yes, we had just chatted for a few moments and um, I, I talked about how the Healing Place podcast uh, really centers on trauma recovery and hope and healing. And yes, you you talk about all of those things. Ab absolutely. It, 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 in fact, my trauma in my life is responsible for me achieving all the things I did. I actually look at my trauma as a as uh, a blessing in my life because of the fact that I was able to leverage what I learned and and lever start leveraging my present moment in a way that I'd never been able to do before. And you know, since then I've been to thirty countries. I've been I climbed Mount Sinai. I've been on Machu Picchu. I've been to the Pyramids of Giza. Blah 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 blah. You know, I've done a lot of things. Work with movie stars, but uh, it, all of that happened because of the fact of what I learned from my trauma. Yeah. So do you want to tell folks your, your trauma story? Sure. I, I, I would love to tell, <laughs> share that story. It's one of my favorite things to do, actually. Thank you. <laughs> uh, um, when I was a young man, a little boy in the woods with a stick in my hand, pretending it was a sword, I had a dream of being Errol Flynn. And because my, we, in our house, we had, we, when I was a kid, uh, Color TVs were the big rage, but we didn't have one. And I was watching all the old black and white movies on a black and white TV. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, Errol Flynn was my, my big hero. And I wanted to be a sword fighting swashbuckler to no end. And as I got older, it really settled in. And I decided to become a, a stuntman, a fight director, and a guy who does sword fights specifically. And um, I ended up working at a Renaissance festival. And I ended up meeting two of the top fight directors in the world. And, you know, when you when you focus on a, a goal in life, you, the, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, will start to show you the pathway, will start to show you the, the method to get there. And these two gentlemen thought I had talent. And I, you know, I'm so blessed that they did. And they actually, at the end of that season, said to me, we see talent in you as an actor and a combatant, and we want to give you all of our training for free. And so I actually got all the training for it for free. 
well, here I am now. I'm I'm working towards my black belt. I'm I'm you know, learning sword fights and whips and nunchucks and all kinds of crazy you know physical things and getting very strong and very muscular. And back in those days, I had long Fabio hair, you know, <laughs> not like not like this right now, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, a friend of mine called me up and said, hey, you want to come help me unload my van? I said, sure. So, because to me, it was like, you know, any kind of physical activity was just another workout. I was really thinking about keeping my body strong. And uh, he, he was a professional potter and his van was full of 80 pound boxes of clay. Wow. And I got out to his house and I climbed up in the van because I was the young, strong guy. And I picked up the first box and I turned to set the box outside of the van and my spine split in two. Oh, my gosh. Um, they picked me up. They hauled me to the hospital. I was paralyzed. I couldn't walk. Uh, they told me that I had a condition known as spina bifida occulta and that with the extra weight and the way I twisted that day, my upper spine literally clicked off my lo lower spine and pinched off my spinal column. Doctor said, we're not sure you'll ever walk again. Uh, well, no matter if you ever did get mobility back, you will never have a physical career. You'll never be a stuntman. You'll never be a fight director. You'll never have a physical career of any kind. You know, you need to start changing your priorities to a, a more sedentary lifestyle because your back will never survive that. And uh, while I was lying in that hospital bed at 22 years old, now going to some very, very, very dark places, um, you know, I, my dream in life forever had been to be that very physical person. And uh, so I was contemplating suicide and I was going to some very bad places. Uh, a friend of mine came in and gave me what on the outside looked like a very cruel joke, but it was the greatest thing he could have done for me. He gave me a book written by Bruce Lee called The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. So he gave the martial artist who was just told he'll never do martial arts again, a martial arts book. <laughs> right. So right. here I am. So I'm starting to read this book. And, and it's an interesting book because Jeet Kune Do is Bruce Lee's style. But the interesting thing is his style is more of a philosophy than it is a style. And so when you're reading this book, you're reading the, his philosophy on martial arts. And I latched onto this one section where he talks about mental flexibility. He talks about the idea of being like water and something comes up and it seems like a controversy, an, an, an adversity or an obstacle. Instead of, instead of stopping yourself or, or, or deciding to crash, you know, you flow around and through and over rather than, and, and you work with the obstacle. And so here I was looking at this obstacle in my life of you'll never be a stuntman. Your back is done. And I I decided that I could not take somebody else's belief about my moment, you know, my life, you know? And so I had to change my perspective, not take on what somebody else was telling me I couldn't do and instead take on what I was going to do. And so I started leveraging my present moment. And that was another thing Bruce Lee's book talked about was, the present moment be very present don't yeah. worry about what happened in the past don't worry about what's going to happen in the future be very present set goals for your future yes but be very present so here i was being very present in my present moment and uh the doctors had said we want to put a pin in your back to hold your spine together and i refused 
And they were very unhappy with me at that point because I knew in my mind, if they put a pin in my back to hold my spine together, I'd never do a high fall or a roll because my back wouldn't be flexible enough to do it. So instead I started doing, um, flexing the muscles of my back. And I started with my upper, upper body and I just started flexing my muscles, taking this moment and making a very successful moment of flexing my upper back muscles. And then I slowly lowered it down. And the day that I flexed my hip muscles, the doctors were amazed. And then by day 30, I was sitting up on the edge of the bed. And at six months, I was walking around like a normal individual. At a year, I was probably back to what you would call completely normal. I was, I was not as big and buff as I was when I was you know, doing the work before. And then at a year and six months, I gave myself a gift. I climbed up on top of a three-story tower and I jumped off. <laughs> and I landed in a fall pad way down below. And over the course of the next several years, I, I established this mental process that I'd gone through. I figured out what it was. And it took me going out and meeting amazing individuals in my life and, and hearing their stories for me to then say, okay, that's what I did too, and create this other process that I have. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long story, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's mesmerizing and I love it. And it and it touches upon so much what we've talked about here on the show before of being in the now. We talk a lot about um mindfulness and being present in this moment. And even though we have trauma history, uh, and we we can honor that history and the impact it's had on us, just being present in the now helps us live a life of gratitude and uh yeah, really to focus on all the gifts, all everything we have in this moment. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, it's the, the system I created was called the five F's. And you just said number two. <laughs> and that, that was focus. Right. And number, number, uh, number one is fearlessness, is managing your fear. You know, and it's interesting because when you, when, when you talk about fearlessness, you have to, you can't, you can't really go there because you have to figure out what fear is before you figure out what fearlessness is, right? <laughs> you have to know what fear is. And I, I, you know, I talk all over the world now as a corporate speaker. And I always ask my audiences, you know, give me a definition of fear. And the room always goes silent. They, you know, and then somebody in the back of the room, you'll hear it. And I've heard it hundreds of times. You'll hear this false evidence appearing real. Right. Somebody will always say that response, but I don't believe that's the correct response. And I'll tell you why, because when you break down fear scientifically, fear is an emotional reaction to a future event that may or may not happen with you focused on a negative outcome. Because if you weren't focused negatively, you wouldn't be in fear. You'd be anticipating a positive outcome. So it's, it li literally breaks down to negatively focused uncertainty. So that's what fear is, you know. Now, I, when you, when you get delve into spirituality, Buddha says the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear. And so we have the power to eradicate and, and work through our fears. Now, there's, there's a couple of different ways of doing that. And this is going to be interesting. You know, when someone tells you that you, you're never going to walk again or you're, or you're coming to that traumatic place, it immediately elicits a fear response. Immediately elicits a fear response. And the way you break the fear cycle is, first of all, you have to recognize where you are. You have to recognize that you're in fear. And I say that very specifically, in, in fear, right? Because when you're inside of something, you can't control the direction of it or, hand, or, or, or even 
eradicate it. You can't get rid of it. So the first thing you have to do is, is label it because the, the mere act of labeling it makes it external because now it's something separate as opposed to something that you're in. So it is, I am in fear. And the way you dis discover you're in fear is just look at your state. Are you in a positive state or a negative state? And if you're in a negative state, you're in some sort of fear. I don't care what it is, <laughs> you know, what the fear is, right? The next thing is once it's external, you have to realize that we talked about fear being a, an emotional reaction to a future event. Fear is not, fear is not rooted in your present moment. It's, it doesn't exist here. It's an emotional reaction to something that's, that's non-existent in this moment, right? So you have to realize that it's, you can sit, you don't have to do it here. You can do it there if, if, you know, if something goes bad there. The interesting thing about that statement is you never get there because you're right. always here, right? <laughs> so keep that in mind too. <laughs> but, you know, actors on stage are trained. And I, I want to kind of share this because it's really interesting. They're trained if they're on stage with in front of thousands of people and they forget their lines, they're literally trained to exhale and relax all their muscles and all their lines come rushing back into their head, right? And the reason this is is, is because we have a primal response to fear. Mm -hmm. Every person on earth, every animal on earth has a primal response to fear. And that response is we start to store air. And if you ever watch National Geographic shows, you know, there's always that, that doomed gazelle yes. who's out there, <laughs> right? The same darn doomed, doomed gazelle out there eating grass in the field, right? And the lion hits the field. The first thing the gazelle does is go, <gasps> right? If you're a parent, you have kids and you've ever seen your kids almost get hurt, you've gone, huh. you know, you've, you've had that experience. If you're, if you don't have kids and you've been to horror movies and there's a jump scare, huh. you have that same response. It's a fear response. It's a primal response we all have. Most people, when they get in fear, they don't feel like they can breathe. Oh my God, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. It's not because they don't have air. It's because their body is conserving air so they can run further and faster. And the reason the thing works with the actors is they exhale. They, right. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that, that if you're, if you're in an addiction of some kind, the, what you're doing is you're medicating your fear. Right. And the reason you're medicating your fear, I can kind of, kind of prove it is because if you watch a smoker who's addicted to smoking, they light their cigarette up. And the first thing they do is they go, oh, and they allow themselves to exhale. Then you watch a drinker and he goes, <sighs> and he allows himself to then you look at somebody like me who takes that bite of that pizza and i go oh right right that exhale it we give ourselves permission to exhale and we've associated it with a substance and so it's that fear response we have to that exhalation is releasing the fear response and because like the actor all the lines come back into their head immediately as soon as they do that same thing with you when you exhale you shut off the response and you can start to think again, which is a different animal. Yeah. So that's the first of my five Fs. You want to talk about that for a little while? You want me to go on? Oh my gosh. No, I, I'm again, one of the most brilliant and beautiful explanations of fear that I've had yet on the show. <laughs> I mean, well, thank you. I mean, we have researchers and therapists and so many people come on and talk about, you know, the, the prefrontal cortex and we talk the science part of it and it's great and it's wonderful and it's good to know the science, but just, yeah, to have it in that, um, just, I, I can see as you were speaking as a picture, um, seeing, seeing the gazelle and the, yeah, 
And and I, yeah. I well, we just you know what's really interesting is I studied neurolinguistics, I studied hypnosis, and I did study some psychology. I didn't go very far into it, but um, I find in life that um, you need to be approachable for content to be retained. Yeah. And for me, you have to make it something that they can relate to. And so, to talk about fear and using the frontal cortex and all that stuff is is very is wonderful. It's great. It's good to know it. But 99% of the people you talk to aren't going to retain the con- the information because that's just book learning, right? Right. right. <laughs> it really is. Got, it has to be experiential. They have to be able to experience it. That's why I talk about, you know, you watch your kid almost get hurt. You go, <gasps> because they know what that feels like, right? So here's the, here's the next part of this. So I'm going I'm to jump right into the next one if that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So that was fearlessness. The second one you mentioned already, it's focus. You know, I did I did six USO tours. I went to the front lines of Iraq and Afghanistan. And I talked to soldiers in the field and I said to them, I said, how how can you go into a situation and know that you're probably going to get shot at or have bombs shot at you or blown up around you? How could you do that? They, the first thing they said is they had to set their fear aside and they did it in the exact same way I just said. <sighs> they exhaled. Right. Then they said, well, we also have another thing that makes it a little easier for us to release our fear. And that's, we have an objective. Yeah. We have a goal, something to focus on. And by and they don't focus on the negative aspect. They focus on the positive creation of that, that goal, you know, you know, getting that goal, right? And I can tell you from experience, when you're standing on top of a three-story tower, looking down, you're not focused on the tower and you're not focused on how you climbed onto that tower, you're focused on where you're going to land, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you, you don't want to focus anywhere else, I promise you. You know, you're focusing on the positive outcome. So you have to get really p- positively focused. The problem is, you know, we talk about the conscious mind in the present moment. And that I want to break it down that way because it's, it's interesting. Conscious mind. I want you to think about the concept of you only have one moment that you can do all of the three creative things in your life. And those, th- those three creative things are thought, word, and deed. And there's only one moment that you can create. And it's the present moment. It's the only moment that you're truly conscious, right? Your past is a storehouse of present moment memories. And those present moment memories create subconscious belief. And we access we, we look through our goggles of subconscious belief, you know, in spirituality, um, Christianity, specifically, they say, be born again. You know, that means shut down the past and start something new. You know, shut down the past, start something new. And so if you can, if you can literally say, okay, I am going to create something new. Well, the way you do that is by staying very present and making this moment successful. And when you make this moment successful, guess what happens? It gets knocked into this subconscious mind as as a successful moment. Yeah. And the more you stack another successful moment, it gets stacked back there. It gets stacked, and all of those subconscious beliefs gets put further and further back, and you become a very positive and successful person. Now, here's the interesting thing: what you focus on, your subconscious mind's second job, rather than just storing, is to show you what you're focused on. So I am I am a big Jeep fan. I have owned six of them in my lifetime. I have one right now that's all jacked up with giant tires and all kinds of crazy things. <clears throat> I love Jeeps. When I drive down the road, I see every Jeep that's on the road, right? 
And if you've ever bought a car and you chose what kind of car you wanted before you went to the store to buy it, you started seeing that kind of car everywhere. Yeah. Because it's just, it's in your mind. When you consciously focus, your subconscious mind is your partner in helping you achieve what you focus on. Think about it that way. So if you know a negative person, you'll, you know, they always have something to be negative about because they're negatively focused. Their subconscious mind is showing them more and more negative things. The more you can stack present moments that are positive in your subconscious mind and stay focused consciously here, your subconscious mind will start to show you more and more positive things. Now, here, here's another thing. You sit in your present moment and you look to the future. Now, what is the future, right? The future is a place where we set goals for our next present moment, right? A lot of people sit in their present moment and they sit in the belief of struggle equals growth or struggle. I have to struggle to get to that outcome. Well, if you're focused on struggle, your subconscious mind's going to show you struggle, right? So you sit here, just make it really easy. Make it real simple. I am doing successful things. And even when one of those moments goes bad, you know, a lot of people, they'll mess up a moment and they'll go, oh, I'm so dumb. And they'll start beating themselves up. Technically, that's why I went bald. <laughs> knocking the hair off the top of my head. <laughs> um, but, but the thing was, I had to do, what I had to do is instead of beating myself up and knocking the hair off the top of my head, what I had to start doing was saying, well, that's silly because I'm going to that goal and this is in, in, in alignment with that goal. So that's just silly. So even my, even my failures became positives because I laughed when I thought it was silly, right? So I'm stacking more and more positive. The thing is, people sit here and they think they have to get to that. And that is very much a very a futile attempt because you never get to that. You can't go to the store next Thursday right now. What actually happens is you consciously focus here, you stack your present moments, and that thing is coming to you. That thing's coming to you because just based on what you do here and now, right? If you can get you into the mindset that these small little tiny things I'm doing here in my present moment are bringing that to me, like me pulling the rope, you know, it's coming right to me like nothing, right? And so it's a matter of just staying very firmly present and doing the successful things. So you're, now you're stacking your present moments. It's bringing this in. They're getting stacked behind you in your subconscious mind. And now you're creating exponential growth and exponential positivity because now your mind's working that way. And the, and the more you create this little cycle here, this comes faster. And when you experience the big outcome that you're looking for, it has surrounded your present moment because that's what, the only time you can experience it. So that's fearlessly in focus. Yay. Go with that. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. And all that, that power of attraction thing, I find hearts everywhere. And as you talked about your Jeep, which my son's a big Jeep lover and um, yeah, yeah I, I see them everywhere. And people are like, how do you see that little tiny heart in all those rocks as you're walking down a sidewalk made of, you know, rocks and seashells. And I, I say, I don't, I just look down and there it is. And right. it is because truly I've, I've worked towards, realizing love is all around us and, and really focusing on the positive and joy. And, and so I truly do. I see hearts everywhere and it's, well, it's a true can, statement. Can I, can I drop into a little spirituality for you? Sure. Okay. So I have a belief. I, my, my mother, I was raised Catholic. I was Catholic. My mother, <laughs> my mother had her, had her, has had her master's degree in liturgy. She was head of liturgical doctrine at her church. Now, for those of you who don't know what that means, that means when the priest wants to do a sermon, he had to pass it by my mom. 
<laughs> right, right. And then, you know, she would make him kiss her ring and then he'd go off. But um, <laughs> but, but the thing was, my mom was a, an amazing, truly spiritual person, because when I turned 18, she said to me, spirituality is a personal journey. You need to find your own faith rather than taking on what I'm telling you to think. So I went off and I studied Buddhism and Hinduism and Islam and Baha'i and New Age and, you know, Wayne Dyer and the, the Tao. And, you know, I went all in all those routes. Right. And I have a very interesting concept about about God, spirit, yada, yada, whatever you want to call it. Right. The Apostle John said God is love. Right. The Bible also says you are made in God's image. Albert Einstein said, everything that you see and experience is made of atoms. And atoms are not physical, they are an energy event. Mm -hmm. And this hand that I'm holding up is made of atoms, as is the air in between my hand and my face. So everything you're seeing and experience is made of atoms. So you are literally in the image of something bigger. You are literally part of that process. Now, God is love, right? So if God is love and all this stuff is love already, right? What's breaking me out of you know, not experiencing love? Well, God was so loving, God, yada, yada, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> was so loving that he gave us our fear and a control knob, a dimmer switch to control because you can't measure or know something without knowing the opposite. And fear is the opposite of love. So you are the one in control of cranking that up and not seeing that love or cranking that down and seeing it all, right? And so you have the control. That's why we're here. We're here to experience that source in my mind. And that's what I've extrapolated from Buddhism and Hinduism, you know, all these different, because I find universal truth in all of it. And so I find that this is, we are here to experience our source from um, the perspective of our fears. And, and so to me, that's really interesting. That's why Buddha said the secret to enlightenment is the eradication of fear. So when you get focused on the idea that the world is a po more positive than negative place, you start to experience more of the positive and the positive is the loving aspect and the negative is the fearing aspect. And so by, by addressing your present moment from a very positive place, you know, the world, the world is a predominantly positive place. Yeah. I live in Akron, Ohio. And if I was going to commute to Cleveland, Ohio for job, I would pass a thousand cars on the road every day. And, once a day, I might see a car on the side of the road with a fender bender, maybe, probably not even every day, but we'll just say every day. Tonight on the news, the thing that's going to make it on the news is the anomaly, the thing that's different, right? But what should be the headline on the news tonight is that 999 cars made it successfully to their place of that they were their destination without any problem whatsoever. They were all just happy as, as clams and they had their cup of coffee in their hand the whole time. Right. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's what should be. That's a miraculous. If you really think about it, we right. live in a predominantly positive world. And if you can think that way, then the world will show you that way. Beautiful. Yes. And I love it. And how how very true that which is why I don't watch the news. <laughs> really. Well, over the past four years, I did, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You mentioned Wayne Dyer. I'm such a Wayne Dyer fan, and I loved yeah. Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. Just one of my one of the most profound books I ever read. And so, speaking of books, you have a book that you offer as people to a gift, talking about these five Fs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's called it's called the uh, the five F workbook. It's a very simple, short workbook. So it's, I think it's 
not even 20 pages long, but what it does is it guides you through the process of these five Fs and it, and it helps you, you know, set and reach your goals and set down your fears and move forward. You know, we talked about fearlessly and focus. The third one is, is the interesting one. Uh, by the way, that book that let me just go back to that. Cause you were kind enough to bring that up. I'm giving that book to your audience for free. And I want to specifically say free today is about bringing value to you, not taking value from you. And so you, the link is going to be in the show notes, I assume. Yes. And, and you just go there and you download it. There's no place on that page that sells anything or even takes an email address. It literally is a place for you just to get this book because the more people who get this book and put this five S into action will literally change the world in a very big, big way because they'll be creating positively and they'll be living more, more productive and enjoyable lives because they they've set down their fears in the process. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You ready for number three? Number three. Let's do it. All right. All right. So we had, we had fearlessly and we have focus. The, the number three, when you look at the, the five, the middle number is the thing that holds up the two on either side. So it's the, it is the core of everything. Yeah. Right? Faith, belief, confidence, fearlessly focus with faith, right? That your confidence in, in your outcome, you know, I can, I can sit in this moment and like here, this is where I bring up my, my, my conversation about affirmations. I don't believe in affirmations. And it's, it's just controversial in, in the, in the metaphysical world to say that. I believe the word affirmation means to shore something up that isn't solid. I'm trying to affirm something. I'm trying to make something that's not solid, firm. I 100% believe in declarations. I just declare my life. I declare my life, you know, and, and in this moment, I, you're, you're in affirmations, your belief is one place in declaration. Now, this is the way I see affirmations. The new age thinking will always tell you, like, say, for instance, say I wanted to drop 100 pounds, right? I can, the affirmations tell you that you're supposed to say, I am a thin person. I am a thin person, but I still can't see my shoes. <laughs> right, right, right. I can't believe it. I can't put faith or confidence in the fact that I am a thin person when I'm not. But I can in this present moment, or as I would call it, the I am moment, Right not the I will be or I was, right? <clears throat> in the I am moment, I can in this moment say, I am eating well, I am getting thinner, I am creating a healthy life, I'm creating a physical body that can do amazing things. I am, I am, I am, right? Here's a little, here's a little spiritual voodoo for you here, right? <laughs> um, Jesus said, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. Moses climbed the mountain, and he talked to the burning bush at the end of the conversation. He said, what's your name? Everyone's going to want to know. And the bush said, I am. So whatever you're saying with I am is what is being granted. Now, here's the cool part. That statement I just made, I, whatever you ask in God's name is granted. That wasn't the good comment. The next sentence was the best part of his statement. Nothing will be impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for you. You can achieve anything in your life as long as you stay firmly here and declare your life. The problem is a lot of people declare their present moment in inactive words. So if you catch yourself saying wanting, needing, hoping, trying, how do they feel? Right? right? You need to change those words to creative words, creating, enjoying, 
you know, living things that are, that are, that are building the life forward as opposed to, because if you, if you create, if you're saying I am wanting, I am needing, I am hoping I'm trying, you're going to lovingly get wanting, needing, hoping, and trying. And you really need to get into, uh, I am creating, I'm enjoying, I am living because your only moment belief is, is what is created. So yeah. that's fearlessly focused with faith. I have to share Let, something really quick. So my please, mom, please. And, and people know the journey that have listened to this show. My mom is 85 years old. She In July, she'll be celebrating two years sober, which mm. is a huge accomplishment because at 83 years old, she gave up uh, alcohol and it was a problem throughout my entire life, uh, very much so. And when she says, tells folks how she did it, she says that exact quote from the Bible that you gave. That's mm. what, that's what she gives credit to. And that's what she says, including the second part <laughs> that you mentioned. Really? And, and she says that's when she was praying, talking to God, asking for help. She was desperate to, to mm. finally be done with this addiction and her pain. Um, she said that that came to her mind and that is what she holds on to every single day. So. And you know, you know, me too, me too. You know, lying in that hospital bed, uh, people will give you their beliefs, and, and it's you for you to choose whether you take them or not. And you know, and and when they try to give you their beliefs, it's not out of malice. It's out. It's out of caring. They they are trying to you know, to tell help you when they give you their negative beliefs. But you are the creator of your experience, and you're the only one who can create your experience. And you can take on what people say and live their life or you can create your experience and live yours. And so, and that's the problem I see. A lot of people are living somebody else's life and somebody else's expectations. That's why relationships go bad um, because they're living somebody else's expectations. I know, I know somebody and his nickname is triple X because he has three of them. <laughs> he has three X's, right? <laughs> and the, the key was, is that he gave up himself for them he got into that relationship yeah. and he gave up who he was for them and i can i know this firsthand because i'm triple x <laughs> right yeah. i'm the one i'm right. i'm the guy i know that because i know that every time i get in there they they they'd meet me they'd see who i was they'd like who i was and then i get in their relationship they would start having expectations and things that they would want to see change and i would change and mold for them and they didn't like me anymore because they they liked me not that Right. They didn't know what they really wanted. The thing is, if you want to be loved in this world, you have to be you for someone to love you. If you're changing who you are for somebody else, you're not being you. And that's the, that's really the key is live you fully. So we got fearlessly focused with faith, which takes us to the next one. And it is it's the hardest one. It's the hardest one of all the five. And it's follow through. It, it's actually doing something. We talked earlier about thought, word, and deed. This is the deed aspect. You actually have to do something. Now, a lot of people get to this stage and, and they become inactive. They don't take the action. Right. And at, at that point, I say, what are you afraid of? What's the fear? Because you have to reassess that fear. You have to, the thing that I discovered about the five Fs is that they're not linear. They are, you are, always accessing from all five at the same time. It's a matter of which one's prevalent at the moment. If you are at the follow through stage and you aren't acting, you're in a fear. 
So you need to address that fear and say, okay, what is the fear? And fear is root. <sighs> you exhale. <laughs> you know, fear is not rooted in the present moment. You exhale and you go, okay. And your mind clears up. Oh, okay. And you just, and that's why one of the things I want to really emphasize is the fact that you need to take small present moment actions. You don't have to be giant things. You know, no giant outcome has ever magically appeared in your present moment. It's always been because of the small things that have happened that have built up, built up to that place, right? You know, you, it may seem at this moment that something big just happened, but you did all these things that got you to that moment that allowed that space to be open for it to happen. And so you have to stay in the space of here I'm creating positively and I'm doing these small little things and I'm just doing them, you know, and I'm laughing when they go wrong and I'm smiling when they go bad and I'm giving myself a, a pat on the back when they're really successful because now I'm just stacking more subconscious mind behind me. And the last one is actually the one we started on. And it's before we even started talking about the five S flexibility. Something's going to come up. So, something always comes up that seems contrary to what you're trying to achieve. Oh, always. And it's for you to stay flexible in those moments. It's for you to, to literally look at your experience and go right here, right now, uh, I am getting my goal. Now we've already discussed the fact that your subconscious mind is already helping you get what you consciously focus on. So if you believe that, and I know it's true because I've experienced it. If something comes up between me and my goal, it's because my subconscious mind just said, this is something that needs to be addressed to get your goal. Not something that's going to stop you from getting your goal, something that needs to be addressed. Now, sometimes addressing it is interesting because it sometimes it just needs to be incorporated into what you're doing. Um, and, and usually it makes it better in the end, or it has to be completely dismissed as this is just folly. Right. Or, you know, Oh, and, and sometimes it has to be um, addressed in a way that it gets turned off. So you've got like three basic things, right? So something comes up that seems contrary. You just literally have to go, no, I am getting my goal. We stay in the positive state. I am getting my goal. And I'm just going to take the next moment to start addressing this thing that's blocking the way to my goal. Yeah. And that's, I, I, to... I try to pause and say, all right, God, what lesson needs to be learned here? Like, there's right. a lesson, obviously, that I need to learn. So right. I, I try to pause, take a step back and look at it and learn that lesson. Yeah. Do, do, does it work? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, 99% yeah. of the time, there's sometimes that I don't quite get it right away. And then right. I say, um, I need that big neon sign. If you could put that up, that would be great. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and, and, you know, well, I have a very good friend who calls that the cosmic two by four. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right, 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 right. Whack. Right. Whack. You get whacked in the head. Oh, my God. There you go. Right, right. For, yeah. you know, for, for, you know, it was so interesting, you know. Like I said earlier, there's two stunt, there's two fight directors who gave me gave me my uh, my break and started showing me the things for free. You know, they would never would have come into ex my experience had I not been a kid who wanted to play with swords in the woods, right? Because that that those were the moments that were building up to meeting those gentlemen, right? And then when something came up after that, you know, I because of that trauma, because of that experience that I had, and because it it took me down a journey of really, really exploring how the brain works and how our, how our creation works. I, I, I created amazing things. You know, I, I took a couple of classes from a man named Patty Crane, uh, Patrick Crane. If, you, if anybody lives in Canada has ever been to the Stratford 
where they do all the Shakespeare up there, the armory at the Stratford is named the Patty Crean Armory. And what's interesting about that is, what did I say at the beginning of this? I said that I wanted to be Errol Flynn. Patty Crane was Errol Flynn's stunt double. Wow. Right? So I got to, I got to meet someone who was directly connected. It never would have happened if I hadn't had my trauma. Because my, my courageousness diminished. And I'm going to say that very interesting. My courageousness diminished because I didn't need to be courageous because I was creating successful moments and they just always worked out for me. Right. Rather than, because I think when you're, when you're in the mindset, I have to have courage, you're actually focused on the fear. And because if you need courage, there's something that you're actually thinking about that you need courage for against. And so for me, it's just like, no small present moments. And like I said, I've been to 30 countries around the world. Let me tell you how blessed I am. I, I paid for three of them. I got paid to do the rest of them or was gifted the rest of them. You know, when you put your mind in creation, it, it's going to happen. And that sounds very woo-woo, but it's, it's, it's not about woo-woo. It's about this experience. You literally, literally, literally nothing is impossible for you. Yes. And, and I'm, I'm here to back you up in that. It's not woo-woo. It truly is. As you open yourself up to the possibilities and really invite them in. I, I truly every day make a concerted effort to invite abundance, uh, abundance of joy, abundance of, of connection, abundance of uh, peace. Uh, right. success. And here's something really, you talk about law of attraction. I was really delve, delving deep into the law of attraction stuff. And, you know, uh, the secret was, was, was an awesome book, but I thought they're a little too focused on the, on the, the, the numbers and the money, right? Because, because I think, I think that the, the universe consciousness, whatever is giving us things all the time. And I'll give you, I'll give you a, a really big example. There was a while, a, a, a long time ago that I was uh, really into refinishing furniture. I used to buy them at thrift stores and bring them home and strip them down and redo them and loved it. And I found this beautiful swivel top mirror dresser and I brought it for $25. I was like shocked, brought it home. It looked terrible because all the varnish was cracked. And so I stripped it down. And I did. But the thing that it was missing was the two finials that hold the mirror on. And I was like, okay, I am receiving my finials. I, I am receiving my finials. I just believed that I was going to receive my finials. And I set my dresser to the side for a couple of days and I was out and I stopped at another thrift store and I found a rock maple desk, beautiful, solid rock maple, little tiny desk, but heavy as heck because rock maple is very heavy. Loaded it up, brought it home, set it down right next to the thing, opened the drawer. The finials were in the drawer of the maple desk, right? <laughs> in the drawer, right? Didn't see them when I bought it. Only saw them when I got home and set it next to the other one, right? It sounds magical. If Einstein's correct and everything you see is an energy event and Edgar Mitchell, the, 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 the Apollo astronaut is correct when he, when he created noetic science. Have you ever heard of noetic science? I haven't. Noetic science. When Edgar Mitchell was coming back from one of his Apollo trips, he had a transcendental experience coming back to earth and he was trying to figure out what it was. And he wanted to figure out what it was from, from a science space. And which I think is really interesting because back in the 30s, Edgar Casey said that a new science was going to be um, created that would bridge 
science and spirituality. And noetic science is exactly that science. He's actually taking the transcendental things that happened to him and discovering how they work. And he discovered in, in noetic science, they discovered that when you think, you can literally measure the thought waves in the atoms. You can literally measure your thought. He also discovered that, that when you focus your thought on a very specific point in space, that something is happening there. They don't know what it is yet, but there, there is something that they can measure that's there. They're not sure what it is. So not only does our, is our thought measurable, our, our thought is focusable. And so, and not only is it focusable, but it's creative because something is happening. It might be creating an event of some variety, but what is if everything is just an energy event? So everything you're experiencing is is a, is a thought in the beginning, anyway. And I know we're digging real deep into stuff right no, now, I but love deep dive, deep dive away. <laughs> um, so so you're, they're proving that that our thought creates, and so what you think you become, you create your world, Buddha. You are the culmination of your thought, Krishna. You know you have to be the change you want to see in the world, Gandhi. Right. Those are all the same things. You know, what we think is creating our experience and it's creating our experience to the smallest degree. So my experience in that moment with those finials was I am creating finials. I am I am getting my finials. I didn't say I was I never once created I am buying my finials. I never once created I am, you know, going to go to Egypt. It just happened. It literally, literally happened. I no, I am going to do that. I just took the I am moment and believed it. And then it's not your job to know how. Right. It's your, jo it's your job to actually literally ask, ask, believe, and receive. You know, it, it does not say ask, believe, and if you can figure out how. Right. <laughs> you know, right, right, right. You have to ask, believe, and receive. For me, getting out of that bed, I literally declared my I am statements. I am a stuntman. I am becoming a stuntman. And I started flexing the muscles of my back. And then when I finally got to the point of a year and a half later of standing on top of that tower and jumping off, I was a stuntman. I was a stuntman. I mean, I've, I've done, I've worked in movies with, with movie stars and I've done gr crazy things. Now I'm a cinephile, so I don't like to talk about stars that I've stunted for or done things for, because I think that takes the steals the, the magic it's like it's like seeing right. the the wizard behind the curtain yes. so, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> right <laughs> but um but i love the idea that that we create our experience in time and that's all the things that i achieved that i did a after my back injury i did over four thousand live comedy sword fighting stunt shows wow. all over the world and it was only because i asked i believed and i received and I took the, I took my five S I fearlessly focus with faith and follow through with flexibility. Yeah. I love it that you call your affirmations declarations. I, I created a bunch for myself that are in the shape of hearts. Surprise, surprise, but they're all, I am statements. I am peace. Mm. I am. But again, it's when I say them, I'm saying them knowing that I am. Right. Yes. Yes. Right, but like like I said before, like if yeah. I'm a hundred pounds overweight and can't see my shoes, I can't right. I can't know that. Right. right. You can you can absolutely believe I am peace, I am love. You can absolutely believe that. And and the reality of the I am love statement, especially if if John is correct, the Apostle John, 
great name, by the way. Um, <laughs> if the Apostle John is correct, and he says, and God is love, and you are the child of God, which is what Jesus said. Now, here's something that I'm going to throw a little wrench into the into the spiritual works here. Um, Jesus said, you are the children of God. And he said, I am, the, I, I am the son of God. What's the difference? The only difference between the two is one of them declared it and, and the other ones didn't. Because it's the same thing. You know, if a child, a son is a child of God. And so, right. you know, he also said, greater works than I have done, you will do. It is your faith that heals you. The pathway to God is through your own door. Now, there's a lot of really cool statements in Christianity. And I think that we get lost in all the things that happened after the Nicene Council. But the things that he actually said in the year 2000, you know, in the year zero, right, right, back in the yeah. day, are very deep and esoteric. And what I find really interesting in my studies of, of, of spirituality, I traveled all through India. And when you're traveling through India and you're studying spirituality in India, you keep hearing about this guy named the, the prophet Isa. We call him the prophet Isa. And the, I'm like, who's this prophet Isa? And you hear little things. And, and I'd say, yeah, well, when, when Isa was on his trek, he did this. Uh, you know who Isa is in India? It's, it's Jesus when he's not in the Bible. And they, they, they literally tell you, show you the path he walked and the wow. things he did. And then when you take, when you take um, uh, Hinduism and you put it side by side with Christi the, new, the, the teachings of Jesus, there's, a, there's an incredible book called The Second Coming of Christ by Yogananda. And he literally takes what Jesus says in, in the New Testament and puts it side by side with Hinduism. And it's the same teaching. It's the exact same teaching. It wasn't until the Nicene Council when, when Constantine had the council declare that, that Jesus was the, not only the Son of God, but God. he was God on earth. And at that council is when, Jesus, when, when everybody else became wrong and you had to take on what we believe. And so it's really an interesting animal. You know? um, the idea that, that Jesus was someone who who had this greater knowledge of our, of our own divinity and our own, our own direction, you know, and he, he and Buddha probably could have hung out together. Right. You know, sitting around having a beer. Hey, yeah, this is great. You know, isn't that great how we both can create anything? Ha <laughs> right, right. <laughs> It sounds so irreverent, but to me, you know, if God is love, God has a sense of humor because love yes. is, is part of that, you know, something even part of it. And I think to Jesus, I think Jesus was, was someone who just understood who he was and he was here to show us you know, greater works than I have done. You will do. He shows our own, our own uh, process and our own place in, in the universe. Yes. Amen. My dad was a uh, Jesuit brother for eight years oh. prior to leaving and marrying my mom. And so, Oh my gosh, he, he passed in 2009, but I loved having those deep dive conversations about all of this because he was a theologian and he, he, understood but I was coming at it from you know that questioning 20 and 30 year old <laughs> so right, I would just right. launch these things at it but wow we had great conversations so yeah my, I my mom it. was the same way at the end of her life we had so many deep dive conversations about yeah. her faith and I, it was funny because I asked her I said mom why did you become so catholic and she said well I mean, we were raised catholic but I had an out-of-body experience during a mass 
And so for her, this having this out of bed experience was a very Christian spiritual experience. And she almost became a nun. And then, you know, <laughs> she met my father because they were both at a party and he stood up on a, at, off of a table they were both sitting on and the table flipped and broke her leg. Oh, my <laughs> right, right. And so she felt so bad. She gave him seven kids anyway. <laughs> right. But, you know, it, to, she had this big experience and I've had some of those experiences of out of bodies and various things of that nature. And it's, it's amazing because I don't think there's one religion in the world that can encompass all of what God is. Right. And I use the, I still use the word God. I think I, I, you know, there's a lot of people who have a taboo with the words God and the word Jesus. I don't have any taboo with those words at all. I, cause I, I think that, that they're just misinterpreted in 325 with the Nicene council. That's, that's where I, I think it went yeah. wrong, but um, I think that they're all, it's all truth, universal truth in Hinduism. They would call it the Dharma, the, the universal truth that, that is, that supersedes religion, you know, ditch the dogma and, Yes. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So any last thoughts that you wanted to touch upon before we close out? Oh, we went, we went some crazy places. This is awesome. (laughs) Um, No, actually just realize that, that um, today's choices are tomorrow's outcomes. And if you take today's choices and you act upon them with fearlessly focusing with faith and following through with flexibility, then you'll achieve everything, anything you've ever asked for in your life. And of course, the, the way you find me is corporateactionhero.com and LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter are all there. So you can go there and find those if you want to find those. And um, your daily vlog, I, which I, which my, I said I loved, I listened to this morning's. Yeah. Oh, thank Thank you. Every day, every day. That sounds redundant. Every day I do a daily vlog. <laughs> 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 uh, and, and there's also my interaction here. podcast is there. And right now I, I, I tell your audience, challenge yourself every day. And, you know, right now I'm, I'm over the past couple of years, I had some health challenges and my voice went away and I'm challenging myself every day to sing something new because my brother asked me to sing at his wedding in June and I'm going to recover my voice by then. Did you hear what I just said? I am going to recover my voice by then i am recovering my voice and so every day i'm well that probably won't be every day but i'm putting out videos of me singing songs that are hard for me to sing <laughs> all right and so hold me accountable oh uh, yeah i told you i'm going to check it out as soon as we're done so <laughs> awesome all right well thank you again for the work you do and being here to shine your light of hope well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. I see we've gone extremely long, but I'm, I enjoyed it very much. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and again, I, I always say, you know, we'll try to record for this amount of time, but I love it when, when again, the conversations take on a life of their own and so authentic and um, real. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today to the Healing Place podcast with your host and trauma warrior, Terry Welbrock. If you enjoyed this episode and want to learn more about Terry, her mission, and the Hope for Healing journey, visit Terry's website at www.terrywellbrock.com. Thank you for liking, commenting, sharing, and offering your reviews on our YouTube channel, audio outlets, and Facebook page. And as Terry reminds us, until next time, remember, be gentle with yourself.